Hello, everyone. This is your host, Grace of Fire, on Rising Up of Shadows of Abuse, Raza. Religion can be misused in a number of ways, especially towards women. They can be placed in an inferior position by a controlling man who wishes to dominate a relationship by taking advantage of a common value system that both parties believe in. Religious belief under these circumstances does not bring people together but causes division and is another form of abuse. Today I have the pleasure of introducing my guest. She wants to remain anonymous. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah, thanks for having me today. Um, so I would say I'm a young woman, a daughter, a sister, a student, and an Orthodox Christian. And that's really important for our conversation today. Uh, and also, I'm really glad to be here with you today. And I think you can probably guess that I also um, was part, it was in a controlling and coercive relationship and broke out of it. Um, and religion was the key way that was used against me as a way to demoralize me and in a way almost destroy who I was. So I think we'll unpack that in our conversation today. Thank you for the short-term introduction. Do you think religion plays a significant role, for example, in Pentecostalism, Catholicism, uh, as regards the role of a woman in a relationship uh, as cited in the holy books, the Bible, Ephesians 5, 21 and 22, men love your wife, women obey and submit to your husbands. Can you shed more light on this particular scripture? Yeah, so I think uh, definitely being a person who also, uh, religion is very important to, I think for a lot of times we can misuse some of the things that are said in our scriptures. Um, and I think just generally religion as a whole can be misused too take uh, control of other people or other people in a certain way. So I think one, that's not the role of it. So I think unfortunately in our humanness, we sometimes make it a little bit, um, we mess it up a little bit as humans, but that's okay. And I think in this specific scripture, um, this one does challenge me, I will say, because sometimes the language can be a bit strong, but I think what's really important is that the first part says like be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ in my translation. And so in the tradition I come from, uh, which is Orthodox Christianity, we have a really beautiful practice where the to be husband and wife are crowned with similar wreaths and then united. And so the idea is that you are going to be co-martyrs in your new marriage and that the person who leads you is Christ. So I think that's the most important piece of it that we sometimes really get lost in the words. Um, and so Christ is the number one. And then where it says, why is he subject to your husbands as to the Lord? Like, technically, we all should be following or asking God to be present in our lives. So like this way is a way of asking God to be totally present in everything that we do. So that's, I think, both for husband and wife. And so in that way where it says, why is he subject to your husbands? I struggle with that, I think, a little bit. But also, I think it's not the subjugation that unfortunately we as humans have done where one person has control over the other. Instead, it should be this mutual relationship of trying to get closer to Christ. And so by Christ also showing this great humility, I think that's a huge piece of it, that perhaps this humility is a way to that, like we are helping and serving one another to build our spiritual lives, if you take it from this perspective. And another really key piece that I want to mention for this, and then I'll wrap it up there, is that it's also that where it says the 
husband loves your love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I mean, as Christians, we believe that Christ died on the cross and was crucified in the most gruesome and horrible way possible. So if you look at it from that way, too, it really calls on the husbands to really love their wives with all their body, with all their soul, with all their mind in every possible way, and even sacrifice themselves for them. And so I think both of these uh, ways is that, like, if we really look at the deeper part, I think it has a big calling for both people in the relationship. And it's not this coercion or subjugation. Uh, of one another, but instead, if it's this mutual growing and learning and following and sacrificing um, to really build towards something greater. So I think, unfortunately, sometimes it could be misused, especially for the women to be put into this more subjective position, which I don't think is the right way. Thank you for that brilliant answer. So that leads me to my next question. What is a controlling relationship to you? Was your ex-fiance using religion to justify his controlling behavior? Yeah, so speaking from my experience, obviously that's what I can speak from. I think the controlling relationship is, for me, was more of an emotional and um, intellectual <laughs> um, and also physical in some ways uh, kind of mm, control or abuse. And so for me, religion was the way that um, my ex would kind of use this as a common value system. So I say common with quotes because it was said that, oh, this is what, something we both believe in. So therefore we have these same moral systems. Uh, but then it was very much used against me. So it was used in a way to change the way I think, to change the way I dress, if I can wear makeup or not, if I can paint my nails or not. And I was very close to losing myself completely because the most important things to me in my life, were, which are my faith and my family, were turned against me. So I think that this was very controlling and um, unfortunately misused something that was incredibly valuable to me. Okay. So he misused what was incredibly value, valuable to you. Can you elaborate more on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my faith is something that has grounded me my whole life. So this was definitely a huge test of my faith and what I believe in and being told as a woman that I can't do certain things or my place is to be in the home and only raise children and that my only way to salvation is through married life, which I think that is part of our theology, but not in that way that women in the Orthodox Church, where I can speak from in the early church were deaconesses, like also generally we all Christians believe like women were at the cross when Christ was crucified. They were at the tomb. They've been there for the whole time, <laughs> but a lot of times the men went away, but the women were always there. Um, so I think that this very miss, this very skewed vision that women are just um, kind of on the sideline really mm -hmm. pushed me away in this relationship too. And instead, I mean, I come from a line of very strong women who have served the church in very um, visible ways. And so like, who are you to tell me that I cannot also do that too? And I'm grateful that I actually had the opportunity to do that after this relationship. So would you say, so, do some religious uh, leaders have backward views in relation to how men should perceive women and how women should be compliant to men? Yeah, I think definitely. And unfortunately, I think it's... um this strong patriarchal um, view or ideal that we unfortunately have. And this is something definitely strong in my tradition. Um, and I think slowly people are breaking out of it. There's definitely different sides. I think anywhere, right, there could always be extremes. So um, there are some, some extremes in this as well. But I think 
more women are definitely speaking up. I know there's movements in a lot of faith communities to have women be a lot more present and relevant um, and really show that the talents that each person has are super vital to every faith community. So I think these are starting to change, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And obviously I'm also speaking from uh, a North American and European context. So I, I don't know all other contexts. This is just my personal experience. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for that um, answer. I did um, watch. Um, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a series or a documentary, uh, whereby a man was saying that um, some men beat up their wives because it says in the Bible that women should actually submit to their husbands, and some women are mouthy; they don't take to corrections, and that's why some men end up maybe slapping or hitting their wives. And I found that to be a bit um, okay and a bit annoying as well as upsetting because we are not mules. The woman is not a mule or, or even mules, you don't beat them up. So I found that quite um, upsetting that he's using the scriptures to say that because the Bible says, in Ephesians 5.21, women should be submissive to, to their husbands. And because the woman was not submissive, according to him, in order for her to become compliant, he had to hit her. Yeah, I think, like you're saying, it's unfortunately taking it in a very awful way. Um, and I think, unfortunately, the systems that we have in our societies kind of lend more power to the men many times so that behavior is then seen as okay and it's not and like even just thinking about from a religious perspective if we if we were to say like did Christ do that to anyone did he hit anybody did he ever he like did the most un like the most radical things in society at the time so I think that's also a really good challenge to both men and women but also men that have this idea that they can hit their wives especially that how, how are you following your religion if the person, the figure that is the most important in your religion is actually somebody who, as we can say, like sheep to the slaughter, right? Like was incredibly silent and loving and was there with the people that needed him the most. So how can you be loving if you're hitting someone? That, that doesn't make sense to me. And I think we have a lot, a lot of work to really unpack these ideals of patriarchism, like patriarchal society that can put women into these side spots that are not it's not the way it's supposed to be that's you're actually right because it's a patriarchal and therefore they uh, therefore the men think they are more superior and they're like the leaders the head of the family and they, the bible actually says in 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 ephesians 5 men should love their wives as christ yeah. loves the church if you really love your wife you shouldn't be hitting her you shouldn't be beating her up. You shouldn't be shutting her up. Because when you love someone, definitely she's going to be submissive to you because she knows you're exuding the love of Christ. You're, you're taking care of her. You're affectionate. You're providing for her needs. There is no way that same woman will not submit to you. Anyway, this is something we're yeah. still going to uh, unpack in the future when we have a panelist in the subsequent um, episodes or shows. So that leads me to the next question. 
Did your ex fiance try to blame you for the coercive control or abuse he put you through, saying it was your fault? Yeah, um, good question. <laughs> um, I think it was more of this convoluted way of blaming everyone around me. And then it was kind of my fault because the people around me were not following the way that he wanted things to go. Um, and so it was really. I also have very strong family members. And so they saw it from the beginning that it was not good. So he would mostly put the blame on them and then in a way twist it so that I would go against them. So the the blame was kind of put in a lot of different, different ways to then wield control. You get the impression that your ex fiance wanted to treat you as his property in the relationship. Mm. Yeah, I think at one point I started to realize it, especially when I was uh, when I really wanted to start a career and to move abroad. And he uh, belittled all of my choices and um, was like, well, we just need to get married and have a family. And I was I was not there. So I also I think just some smaller interactions made me realize that, yeah, he actually doesn't have respect for me um, as a woman. And so his only goal is for me to, to have kids and raise a family and just be home. And that's it. Um, and that's not what I wanted, <laughs> nor what do I think that I was supposed to do that right now in my life. So I think, yeah, yeah, I'll stop there. Oh, it, <laughs> what you're saying um, indirectly is that he viewed you as his property then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe it's still more difficult to, for me to see that. But yeah, he definitely, yeah, and uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but as a prize that can just yeah, be showcased, but not actually taken care of or loved. Hmm. The trophy. You were a trophy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, you all, as you were talking, you, you said, um, your ex fiance said women should be in the kitchen and bring up children and not necessarily have a career. But in Proverbs 31, the story of the virtuous woman, State she was a wife, mother, a landowner, an entrepreneur. What are your views on this? Um, before you answer this question, can I hope you don't mind? I would like to read the scripture, which is in Proverbs 31, verse 13. It reads, She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. So this connotes the fact that the virtuous woman used, went to distant lands to buy stuff or to buy things, food to her family. She woke up very early in the morning to prepare breakfast for her household. So she was a mother as well as a nurturer. And she plans the day's work for her servant girls. So she delegated to her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. It shows that she was a landowner. She was very entrepreneurial. She planted a vineyard. She was a winemaker, in short. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. A lamp burns late into the night. It shows that she she was a trader or an entrepreneur and she made profits. And she worked late into the night. It shows that she was very hardworking. 
And these are the uh, traits of an entrepreneur. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends the helping hand to the poor and opens her hands to the needy. It shows she was charitable. She was compassionate. She catered for the poor and the society. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bed, bedspread. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates. From this particular scripture, or it shows that um, she had foresight. She had no fear of winter for her household, which is she made warm clothes prior to when winter came. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. It shows she's a trader. She's an entrepreneur. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts without fear of the future. Like I said, she had foresight. With this scripture put into the context that we are talking about, religion, mm. why would a man say his wife should not have a career or have anything to do as a woman to be fulfilled in probably her, her career, her business, her business and things like that? Why would a man say the role as a woman should be strictly in the home raising and nurturing children and cooking or managing the home and nothing else. Mm. That's why I said, can you shed more light on that, please? Yeah, thanks for that. I think it's a super powerful. Uh, all the verses are super powerful. I think it's a good question. We should ask the men. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, I, why, why not? Right. I think some of it might also be out of fear, right? Like women are very strong. I mean, coming from a Greek background, we only talk about how the women especially hold on to the faith and how the women teach our, the, the men who then become priests in our tradition and so are the, the actual backbone of our faith and religion, right? So, and we all like praise the women for all the work they do. So then why do we fear supporting women to do this? Like we're saying how in Proverbs, this woman was incredible. She did everything. <laughs> and she was also respected by the city and obviously her husband, as it says it very clearly. Um, so I think it's a really good point. Like, why why do we fear that when we're not actually letting people reach their full potential? We should really support one another to do that instead. If we are co yo like, how do we say it in Greek? Um, um, you're like yoked together. You're like co mates in the, the journey together, right? When you're married. So instead of we should be supporting one another instead of putting one down instead of lifting both up. And yeah, I think women have a lot of incredible potential and power and should be allowed to really live that out. So men, I hope you're all listening. Make sure you support your wife. Try as much as possible to support your wives or your partners or your sisters or your girlfriends, so to speak, because we are full of potentials. You're loaded. We are the backbone of the society. We are the managers of the home. And when you stifle, when you stifle a woman, you're indirectly killing her, both mm. spiritually, physically, emotionally. So, men, I hope you take the cue from Proverbs 1, verses um, 12 to, to the end. Do you still have anything to add to what we've discussed so far? you have any, no, any, any encouragements, so to speak? Yeah, I think... Um... 
one, thank you again for this good conversation. I think it'd be super great to continue it and also hear from other faith perspectives as well. But I think, yeah, the in terms of encouragement, I've been encouraged that I would say the very thing that was used against me also made me stronger. So just really discovering my own faith and seeing like we just saw in this Proverbs verse that women are really incredible and they're really vital. So learning that I too am incredible and vital and trying to move that forward. So everyone that's listening is also very important and everything you do and are, it should shine. So shine forward, shine forth. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. Listeners, you've heard our guests and you've heard the scripture being brought to light today. If you have further questions, do get in touch via social media handles and you can email us at risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com using the hashtag comments. Or our social media platforms, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Twitter, Rising Above Abuse. We would like to listen and share your views. Thank you. I'm your host, Grace Hopper. For rising above shadows of abuse, Raza. See you on our next episode. Thank you and bye for now.